to get your free audio gift, The Three Pillars of Achieving Your Perfect Weight Using the Mind-Body Connection, go to healthymindfitbody.com and enter your first name and email address, and we'll send that to you right away. Welcome, everyone, to episode 34 of Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is Wes, and I have Kevin on the other line. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Good, good. How you doing, Wes? Pretty good. We've got uh, no May Gray today, nice and sunny here, but lots of wind in, in San Diego. We tried to do the beach thing. I was looking forward to doing some sprints on Sunday, maybe just running around with the football, but uh, man, it was like gale force winds there, so we had to call it quits. Yeah, we got our winter here in, in May and June, usually. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy, yeah. It snows like three feet. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of shoveling involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scraping ice, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, the beach sand kind of drifts in like snow, so we just yeah. have that sort of effect going on there. Exactly. Yeah, so last week we did the interview with Joseph. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, fitness instructor's perspective on health and fitness stuff. Yeah, I think it was really good getting that perspective. It's just, you know, kind of once again, the mainstream doesn't have the answers in the realm of nutrition and fitness and weight loss. Yes, indeed. And that's actually a good segue to our topic today, which is childhood obesity. Yeah, and you actually did a podcast without me early on. Yeah, it was number two. I was looking in our archives here. Yeah, Childhood Parents and Eating, it was titled. Right. Encourage everyone to check that out. Right, and I think that's applicable to this topic. Sure. And it's a lot of what's missing out there. So Because a lot of people with weight problems uh, and eating habits that are not so good, it really originates back in childhood, doesn't it? Yeah, that's where it all starts. I'm on an email list for um, ABC News Nightline stuff just to see what the enemy's up to, you know, the mainstream. <laughs> and yeah. they had a special segment, I think it was on Nightline, about childhood obesity, the fight against childhood obesity, two kids' stories. So they follow these two kids. Uh, one is Samantha, four-year-old, and another one is, let's see, I guess he's eight in this article, Nicholas. Oh, he's eight, okay. And both of them will qualify as obese, I guess, uh, for kids. Yeah. They're basically judging them on the body mass index, BMI, which we don't really think too highly of. It's funny that they have them step on the scales all the time. You know, we talked about last week the reason why there's so many scales rather than body fat uh, measuring devices because of the cost and uh, just ease of use and so forth. But what really matters is the level of body fat, the percentage of body fat. Yeah. That's going to indicate what's going on with the insulin secretion. And if you look at Samantha here, they got a picture in the video still frame. She's got a mouthful of spaghetti. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the beginning of the video. And then the quote, her mom says she's a carbohydrate addict. Yes, carbohydrate addict, right out of the mom's mouth. And just anything, bread, anything, pasta, anything sweet, chocolate, any kind of cake, ice cream, bread. Cookies. Cookies, yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I never understood this about parents that say their kids are, they only like carbs or they, they're addicted to carbs or whatever. I mean, what do you have in the house? I, mean, mm -hmm. I think the four-year-olds aren't going out and doing shopping themselves. You know? No, they're not. And it's interesting because the four-year-old's mom is slim and trim. Yeah. Right? I think both the moms are pretty slim. Right. So what's going on there? I think they're just catering to the wishes of the kids, which 
probably started out with uh, food that the parents bought and they got a carbohydrate addiction to it, a craving for all these different sweets and the breads and cereals and all that. You know, the other seven-year-old was eating lots of bread. Mac and cheese was like the staple. And I noticed that when they went out, the soda fountain, Coca-Cola, it wasn't Diet Coke, it was the sugary stuff. Oh, yeah. So that is just a prescription for disaster for a little kid. I mean, the nutrients there are not so good, and uh, it's going to cause a lot of insulin secretion and therefore a lot of fat to be stored. Yeah, and what do you think about this? They had this plan where it's red light, yellow light, green light. So the green light foods are the ones they should eat, and then the yellow light they shouldn't eat very much of, and then the red light only on certain occasions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't even touch on the macronutrient constitution of those things. They did show some fruits and vegetables and fresh foods like that, which is great. They had one shot of uh, some sliced red peppers and some mozzarella cheese, which is a great combo. Right. And then they threw in the whole grains, which is nuts. And then they threw in the whole grains and they talk about, you know, the BMI and again, the weight scales and lack of exercise as the problem rather than, you know, striking the root and getting to the real issue, which is the excess carbohydrates. And, you know, this is uh, the pediatric department at, I think at Vanderbilt, Uh this pediatrician was interviewed about how she's dealing with these kids. I think it's like a six month program they had them on. But invariably it goes back to what the parents are buying and how they're teaching the kids to eat certain things or not eat certain things and what's permissible or what's not. Obviously, I'm not a big fan and I don't think you are either of telling kids what they can and cannot eat. It's more about education. It's more about... Leading by example. Leading by example, modeling the good stuff. And all the foods that we eat that are outlined in our book are real healthy and real tasty. You don't have to forego the taste in order to eat healthy. Yeah. I mean, just having those foods around, the good stuff is going to go a long way with kids. And then they're going to have access to the sweets when they go to school and hang out with their friends and things like that. But I don't think that's going to be as much, nearly as much of a problem if you're doing the right things at home. Mm -hmm. And I wish that these shows would address that. They seem to just gloss right over it. They don't even talk about what the parents are doing. I mean, it's just all about these kids. And it's almost like putting the blame strictly on the kids and not even acknowledging that they have parents that are a huge influence in their life. And uh, it doesn't work if you, you know, kind of just keep buying all the bad foods. But in the video, they showed there was one good thing with the girl anyway. I don't know about the boy, but with the girl, once they kind of outlined some more healthy foods and they did have, you know, like you said, they did have some healthy foods. They were letting her pick them out at the store. I thought that was good. I mean, it wasn't like here, this is what you're eating. It was like she could pick uh, from all these foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, You know, what the parents are doing is not focusing on what is healthy for the kids. They basically take these kids to the authorities, the pediatrician, and defer to them rather than really do their homework and find out exactly what is leading to this excess fat deposition in the kids. And obviously, that's going to lead to a lot of symptoms. They talked about the one boy is having problems with breathing yeah. And it's just not a good set of conditions. Yeah, and then they then his mom uh, decided to enter him in, in a 5K run. Mm-hmm. And they showed that, and he was training for the run. Um, I don't think that's the best way to go about it. I mean, exercise is definitely good, especially they talked about how he, he was one to watch a lot of TV and play video games and things like that. And mm-hmm. definitely moving around is going to be important. But I think that that was her main thing, was let's do this 5K and you'll have to train for it. And that was it. And um, then the next video clip they showed, 
he had gained five pounds after you know doing more running and exercising and everything. And he had actually gained five pounds and his BMI was way up, which doesn't mean all that much because he could have been putting on some muscle too if he was exercising more. Mm-hmm. But that just goes to show, again, you know, exercise is not the answer here. It's maybe 20% of the equation, as right. Mark Sisson pointed out. 80% of it is mostly nutrition and focusing on eating the good foods and getting rid of the bad ones. And it seems like with both of these parents, there's a lot of enabling going on. Whenever the kid wants this particular bad food, there's not a real discussion about, well, wait a second, you know, this is not going to be good for you. And there are a whole bunch of other options that are actually going to be healthy. Like, you want to be healthy, I'm healthy, let's be healthy. Right. So that's uh, get into the psychology of it. Obviously, the kids aren't at an age where they can do a lot of introspection, but they can listen to what parents say and the parents can explore what they're feeling about the cravings, about wanting a cookie, you know, and what's going on with that. And there's a lot of dynamics that go on between parents and kids that oftentimes are not really discussed. And I think that's an important factor too, because just to let your kid basically gain more and more weight to the point where they have to be taken to the pediatrician and not necessarily have to, but uh, to the point where the parents basically just give up and they don't have any other solutions for them. Yeah. Because they've just been feeding them what they want rather than what is good for them. So exactly, it is important to explore the uh, feelings that the kids are having rather than just to cater to the wishes without any sort of qualification or discussion. Yeah. Great point. Anything else about this? No, I think that's pretty much it. Want to move on to our next segment? Move on to the next segment? Yes. Yeah. Rich sent us an email and I think mm-hmm. he's one of our listeners, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted to know what we thought of this study. Mm-hmm. So the study supposedly shows that processed meat consumption increases the risk of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And this was pretty surprising to me. I mean, I never thought that processed meat was anything good, but it turns out that it looks like it's worse for you than I thought. Yeah. They looked at the people that were eating different types of meats, and they somehow found people that were eating predominantly processed meats with the nitrates and nitrates and excess sodium. Although, you know, they tried to malign sodium in this process as, you know, causing the high blood pressure and so forth. But that wasn't as big a factor, I don't think. I think this the preservatives leading to atherosclerosis is what they mentioned. Right. I was not able to study the actual study, but I did look at the press release that was on the Harvard site, because this was done by uh, a department at Harvard. They looked at this, and they just basically found that by and large, if you eat more processed meats, you have a, I think they said, 42% greater chance of heart disease. Yeah, 42% developing coronary disease and a 19% increase in risk of diabetes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's not good. So, basically, I just wrote back to Rich about this and I said uh, it would be good to dig into the details of the study to see what the variables were and how they controlled for them. Because obviously it is going to be hard to find people that eat exclusively processed meats versus people yeah. that eat you know non-processed meats. On the face of it, though, it does seem to show that nitrites and nitrates should probably be avoided as much as possible. Salt, not so much. I mean, the body can compensate as long as you're getting enough water. I could see the next uh, question coming. I was, where do you get meat that's not processed? And Yeah, just look on the label. Usually the cold cuts and ham and bacon especially. The last ingredient typically is sodium nitrate. Yeah. So that's the preservative that they use. 
and and most of the time they'll advertise it if it if it's not processed. I mean that's a big selling point. Mm-hmm. And I know at, at Trader Joe's they have a lot of meat that's not processed, and both the, in the deli meat section and then also like the ground beef and the turkey and things like that. They have I'd say at least half of it is either not processed or they have this uh, what's called minimally processed. Yeah. So and I trust them more than I would trust like a, a government stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know they're a business and they're trying to keep their customers happy, so you know I think they're uh, pretty reputable. Yeah, and just to sum up here, I wrote: it's always better to err on the side of caution in matters such as this. The less processed, the better. Right. That said, I don't think it's any reason to forego an occasional hot dog, cold cut, or side of bacon once in a while. I guess I should say a slice of bacon. Yeah. Uh, I typically look for such products that don't contain sodium nitrite or trait as their last ingredient though bacon invariably has it. And I think you can get bacon that isn't really cured, the uncured bacon that doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah, you can get that. So anyway, we'll put the link to that study in the show notes if you want to check it out. How about chocolate-covered bacon? Is that okay on this? They do have that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a delicacy. Yeah, I blogged about that a while back. That's almost up there with donuts. Almost, yeah. (laughs) Imagine a bacon-flavored donut. Mm Mm-hmm. Or a bacon-filled donut. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just the less processed, the better, obviously. Right. And that applies across the board, not just meats. Yeah. And we talked about this uh, last week. I talked about this with Joseph Brandenburg about the um, idea of, you know, getting the best quality eggs and meats and things like that mm-hmm. uh, versus eating low carb. Like, what's the priority? And we agreed that still eating low carb is the priority, even though you don't want to be eating all these processed meats and things. If you had to eat, like a big sandwich with a bunch of bread that was organic versus uh, the processed meat with no bread, you know, you're still better off with a lower carb option. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lower carb option. Lower carb. That's the key. So I think this wraps up this kind of shorter show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to add them after the show notes. We'll have links to the things we talked about. Yeah, and we have a free audio that uh, we're giving away to subscribers. So if you go to the website, healthymindfitbody.com, and you put in your name and email in the upper right corner, we'll send you an audio on the three pillars for achieving your perfect weight using the mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. Talk about the components that we use to understand health and nutrition psychologically and physically, as well as you'll be on the newsletter. And we have a new newsletter coming out this uh, week, I believe. Yep. So stay tuned for that. Well, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. It's-